many years ago, uh, somewhere in the 170-year range, 200 years ago, somewhere in there, there was this orchestra, famous orchestra, uh, of several hundred instruments, several hundred players in the orchestra, musicians. And they were getting ready for this big event they were going to have um, to display some new music that a famous conductor had written, a man named Costa. And Costa himself was going to come and, and be the conductor for the orchestra for this big event. And so the orchestra had been practicing for months and months, getting ready for the event and uh, uh, practicing Costa's new uh, uh, orchestration. And they're going through it. And again, it's a huge facility, hundreds of instruments. Well, in among there is this one guy playing the little piccolo. And he's participating in the rehearsals, going through it, but he's also going through some struggles at home. And then he begins to think as he sits in this room with this, these massive sounds coming out from the timpanis and the, the trumpets and the violins all being featured in this, this, this music, he starts to think, what difference does my piccolo make among all this sound that's resonating around this room? It all sounds fantastic. And he's thinking, to me, it doesn't make any difference whatsoever if I just don't play my piccolo at all. And so as he continues to struggle and go through some personal things, and the day for the event comes and the conductor shows up and they're going to have a rehearsal with just them before they go to the event. And the conductor comes in, Costa, and he's there. He's standing at the front. Everybody's ready. They got their instruments ready. They got their music displayed up on their music stands. And Costa gets up and he does the thing. And it's going and it's blowing and going. And all the sounds are, are massive. And the piccolo player's sitting there. And he's got his music. And he can see where he's supposed to start in the song. And he just gets very discouraged. And the Part comes, he can feel it coming and the anxiety's building and he never picks his piccolo up to start. He just lets it pass him by. About two measures go by and that conductor is shouting and waving his arms for everybody to stop. And they're all confused, like what, what, what? It sounded good to me. And the conductor says, where's the piccolo? Where's the piccolo? And the little piccolo player sitting back there in the back kind of goes, <laughs> And the guy says, I couldn't hear you. I couldn't hear you play. And all the guys around the piccolo are thinking, well, he doesn't make much noise. He doesn't make any difference. But to the conductor, the guy who wrote the music, he had spent so much time in writing the music, so much time listening to all the instruments play the music, that when one little element is out of place, he could tell. Even if nobody else could tell. He could tell because he was so familiar with that piece of music that when something wasn't quite right, his ears were instantly attuned to that. And it takes someone who is intimately familiar with the way something sounds to be able to hear it in among so much noise resonating around. And that's what we're going to talk about today, how to recognize God's voice When there's so many voices vying for our attention from the world, from culture, from our own sinful hearts, from past experiences, and among all that noise, God's voice, his 
still small whisper is speaking to us? How do we recognize it? How do we hear it among all that noise? So turn with me, if you will, to 1 Samuel chapter 3. And we're going to talk about recognizing God's voice in prayer. Because prayer, you know, prayer is a spiritual discipline. It takes discipline to participate in prayer. But the thing about prayer is it has two parts. And in truth, if we're honest with ourselves, we're more familiar with one part than the other, more often than not. Because prayer is a conversation with the Lord, and a conversation requires both speaking and listening. Both speaking and listening. And more often than not, we are very familiar with speaking in prayer, but not as familiar with listening. We had a church member a few years ago, uh, say that she had been trying to practice the spiritual discipline of listening to the Lord in her prayer life. And she said it was the hardest thing she's ever spiritually had to do. Just sit there in the silence and try to listen to what the Lord was saying. And so let's take a look at that. Here in 1 Samuel chapter 3, we come across a very interesting scenario. You see, in this time, in, in the nation of Israel, there was all kinds of bad stuff going on, all kinds of sin going on all over the place, even there in the temple. The high priest's own sons were being trained up to take over his duties, and they were doing some terrible, despicable things in the temple. And it was, it was rampant all over the country. But even among all this rampant sin, there were still some people who wanted to follow the Lord, who wanted to listen to the Lord. And one of those was a young woman named Hannah. And she came un, being unable to have children and begged God to be able to have children. And God listened to her prayer and blessed her with a child. And what she had said to God was, if you allow me to have a child, I will dedicate that child back to you. And he will come and serve you in the temple. And so she had a child. His name was Samuel. And when he grew up and was old enough to do stuff on his own, she took him and brought him to the temple. And he worked in the temple as from the age of a young child on up. Uh, but uh, Hannah, his mother, would continue to come and visit him and bring him gifts, bring him clothes, and visit him from time to time. But Samuel is there in the temple working, doing the things that need to be done around the temple. And that's where we get here in 1 Samuel chapter number 3. Uh, but if you are going to use a Bible in the pew rack, it's on page 227. If you want to turn there, uh, you can turn there and see that. And take that Bible home with you if you don't have one at home. Uh, you can have that Bible uh, for free. 1 Samuel chapter 3. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli. That's the priest. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. Now, this is a very interesting phrasing. The word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. They didn't see the Lord very much. They didn't hear the Lord very much. And honest, truth be told, as we, uh, if you go back and you look throughout the book of Judges and you look, that ties right into this time period, it says that every person did what was right in his own eyes. They didn't listen to the Lord. They didn't listen for him. They didn't look for him. 
And so because they didn't listen for him, they didn't look for him, all they looked to do was what pleased themselves, they weren't able to hear God speak. They weren't able to see God move. And that ties in in a parallel way here in the next verse. And at that time, Eli, again, the priest, the high priest, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down at his own place. So Eli physically had no vision, even when the nation itself had no vision of the Lord. And this isn't just speaking about Eli physically, even though it is, his eyesight, his physical eyesight was difficult. Um, Eli had allowed things to transpire that he had not put a stop to. He had not stood up to some evil. He had allowed his sons to do so much evil, and he only spoke up to them when it got too bad to not say anything. He didn't say anything about the nation, talk to the nation about the evil that was transpiring, about the, 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 the uh, uh, idol worship that was going on, the terrible sins that were going on in among their idol worship. He just allowed it to happen. And didn't say anything. And then allowed his sons to do their despicable acts. He finally spoke about it in the last chapter, in 1 Samuel chapter 2. But again, like I said, it had been going on for years and years and years and years to Eli's full knowledge without him saying one word to them about it. And so now here he is at a very old age. And his eyesight has grown dim. His spiritual eyesight has grown dim, as has the spiritual eyesight of the entire nation. And, he, and Eli has allowed it to happen on his watch. And he's there in the temple. Verse 3. The lamp of God had not yet gone out. And Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. So the temple... It, it, was a, it was a big complex. I mean, you had the, the Holy of Holies, you had the holy place, and you had the worship place for the Jews, the worship place for the Gentiles, and you had all this area. And, and Samuel is in there, and it's his job. He had probably certain duties to do. If he's lying down in the temple proper, um, maybe he was supposed to maintain this lamp. Uh, maybe he was supposed to get things ready for when Eli got up the next morning. Uh, but he's laying down in the middle of the sanctuary area in the temple, from what we can gather. And Eli's off somewhere a little bit to his bedroom, which wasn't too far away, uh, but it wasn't the same place where Samuel was. And Samuel's laying down there in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. And the ark of God represented God's presence. That it was a, a physical representation of God's presence. And it's in the temple. The temple represented the heart of the nation. And so the ark of God being in the temple represented the spirit of God being in the heart of the nation. Even though the nation wasn't paying attention to the Lord at this time. But that's where it was. So that's the image we've got. You've got the ark of the covenant, the, the ark of God there, and you've got Samuel laying down. You've got the lamp still burning, and Eli is off laying down in his bed in another room. Verse 4. Then the Lord called Samuel, and he said, here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call. Lie down again. So he went and lay down. 
So Samuel's laying down, and he hears his name called. And he pops up, thinking, well, the only person close enough to me right now that can call my name is Eli. So he runs in there to Eli, wakes him up, and says, okay, what'd you need? And Eli said, I didn't say anything. Go back and lay down. As a parent, have you ever had a child wake you up in the middle of the night? Did you always wake up with, the, with a smile on your face? I'll give you one of my children, their practice when waking, uh, uh, I don't know if they did this to you, Katie, but I remember this is the way he always woke me up, is I would be asleep, and I can remember dreaming and getting really, really irritated because he, the way he would wake me up is he would just tap me on the arm just over and over and over again until I woke up. Just keep tapping and tapping and tapping and tapping and tapping until I woke up. And so I can remember waking up being really irritated, like, what is this going on right now? And then he's standing there in my face, and uh, uh, I realize there's a problem uh, at three in the morning. And so I don't know how Samuel woke Eli up, whether it was tapping on his arm or just yelling at him. Uh, but Samuel runs in there to Eli and says, here I am. Eli says, I didn't say anything to you. Go back in there. So Samuel goes back in there and lays down. But now he's awake. Verse 6. And the Lord called, called again, Samuel. And Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call, my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. And the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. So he's hearing the word of the Lord. God's calling his name. But it hasn't been revealed to him. He doesn't recognize that this voice is God's voice yet. He doesn't recognize that it's God who's speaking to him yet. So he goes back and he lays down again. Verse 8. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. And he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. So he, he, it's... <laughs> It's amazing to me. It happens three times, right? And something, several of the scholars that I read believe at this point Samuel's in his teenage years, somewhere in there. And so he does this three times, lays down, gets up and goes in there. Maybe he's thinking Eli's losing it, like he's really calling me, but he's not. He doesn't remember what's going on. And so he goes in there, and then Eli has a, has a realization. Not a revelation, a realization. Uh, the last part of verse 8. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Now that word perceived is very important. He perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Eli didn't hear from the Lord that God was speaking to Samuel. God didn't, or Eli did not recognize God saying to him, I'm going to be speaking to the boy Samuel. It says that he perceived it. That word means to discern, to realize, or figure out. In the course of this happening three times, Eli has a realization, this is the way it happened when I used to listen to the Lord. And so he figures out it's God speaking to him. He doesn't hear from God, but he figures out the way that this is happening with Samuel, this must be God speaking to Samuel. And so he tells him there in verse uh, 9, therefore Eli said to Samuel, go. Lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. 
And so now this time, Samuel's having great anticipation, knowing because, because he's been told that voice that you are hearing is God's voice. So now you can recognize that it's God speaking. It's God speaking to you. So when God speaks to you, you say you're ready to do whatever he's got for you to do. And so having been told this, instructed this by Eli, Samuel goes back in and lays down, fully anticipating, God's done it three times, anticipating it happening again. So try to put yourself in Samuel's spot. If you have heard a voice calling your name three times and you didn't know what it was, and then somebody said, that is God's voice, you're going to go back in there like trying to fall asleep? Or are you going to go back in there like trying to hear everything like, is it going to happen as soon as I lay down? Am I going to be here like five minutes? Like, I'm ready. Just listen, just, tr- just, just trying to hear every ounce of sound that you can get into your ears in that moment. Samuel goes in there and he lays down. I picture him laying down, you know, as, as quietly as he can so that he doesn't like, you know, muffle the voice, muffle the sound as, as, in his laying down. He just gently lays down. He's listening. His ears trying to pick it up. And this time it's different than it was before. Verse 10. And the Lord came and stood. You notice before it was just God's voice. Now it says the Lord came and stood there. He's there physically. There are a bunch of really smart Bible scholars who believe every time that the Lord comes physically in a place in the Old Testament, it's Jesus. Because Jesus being the physical representation of God physical manifestation of God, which it very well could be. I don't know, I wasn't there. But it says, the Lord came and stood, calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, speak, for your servant hears. Then the Lord said to Samuel, behold, I'm about to do a thing in Israel at which the two ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. God says, I'm about to tell you something. It's not only going to shake you, it's going to shake the whole nation. So get ready. But Samuel had to hear from God. He had to listen for the Lord. And as we see in Samuel's story, and we know from our own personal experiences, it can be easy to mistake the voice of the Lord for the voice of some other influence until we are readily familiar with what he sounds like. And in the same way, it's easy to mistake a source of influence as being the Lord's voice if we're not as familiar with the Lord's voice as we ought to be. It's extremely easy to be misled when we don't recognize the voice of the Lord. There's an example of this in Scripture in 1 Kings chapter 12. King Rehoboam. Listen to the voice of influence of certain people around him rather than the voice of the Lord. And as a result, the nation of Israel was split into two pieces, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom, all because he didn't listen to the Lord and he listened to other influences rather than what God would have him do. It's so easy to mistake the voice of the Lord for another voice. You know, I had a guy tell me one time, He believed that the voice of God speaking to him, showing him what he needed to do, was really him listening to his gut, his his instinct. Um, I told him, well, I think you're wrong on that. Well, I said, I don't know how your instinct works, but my instinct is wrong a lot. My gut reaction a lot is, is very sinful. 
Because scripture tells me that my heart is sinful above all else. And so if I listen to my heart and I listen to my gut, then I'm following me and not following God. I'm following my best assumptions about what needs to come next rather than listening to what the Lord would have me do. And that's not what God wants. I've had somebody else tell me, okay, listening to the Lord, following the Lord, God's not really all that specific. As long as you get in the, you know, the general vicinity, you're, you're close enough. As long as you get close. You know, it's not like a specific, it's not like God's saying you're supposed to go to this specific point in this field. It's like God's saying, no, just get to the field and you're close enough and you're doing good. And I disagreed. Uh, I said, well, it seems to me every time God speaks to people in Scripture, he's telling them something very specific. Like he's not saying you just got to get close. Like this isn't horseshoes. You get close enough, you get points for just being in range. You know, it's not, God gives people specific instructions to do specific things. All throughout the Old Testament, all throughout the New Testament, Jesus telling his disciples, Jesus telling Paul, it's very specific instructions. And so I believe based on scripture and my own personal experience, that when God speaks, it's, it's specific that God would have us do. Sometimes he wants to guide us to certain steps and he doesn't give us specifics about certain things until we get closer to where we need to be. He'll just give us the next step that we need to do because he's not gonna give us step 12 when we're on step three. He's gonna give us the next step until we get close enough for him to say, okay, now it's time to you, for you to receive the next bit of information and God gave Samuel very specific instructions in the verses that follow but Samuel had to follow and do what the Lord wanted him to do Jeremiah chapter 1 God told Jeremiah all you have to do Jeremiah is go where I tell you to go and say what I tell you to say God didn't give Jeremiah general parameters he told him I'm going to give you a specific city to go to I'm going to give you a specific word to say and you say it and you're fine with me People aren't going to like you very much, but you're fine with me if you do what I tell you to do. And Jeremiah went, and he did. But we have to hear God's voice in the way Samuel did. Samuel had Eli show him the way God sounded, the way that it was help him recognize that it was God speaking to him. Well, let's look at what Jesus said about recognizing God's voice. In John chapter 10, Jesus is talking about sheep recognizing a shepherd's voice, using that as an illustration of God speaking to his people. He says in John chapter 10, starting in verse 3, to the shepherd, the gatekeeper will open, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. You see, a common practice back then is they would have this massive sheep pen and a bunch of shepherds would come and bring their sheep and put all these different flocks in the same sheep pen. And there would be a gatekeeper that kept the sheep in the, gate, in the, in the sheep pen so that when a, a specific shepherd came to get his sheep, he would come and the gatekeeper would open the gate and the shepherd would stand there at the gate and he would yell out for his sheep to come. And those sheep knew his voice so well that only his sheep would come. All the other sheep, for for all the other shepherds, all the other flocks would stay there in the pen and that one specific uh, shepherd's sheep would come to him and he would lead them out where they were supposed to go. Look at the next couple verses. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him. 
for they do not know the voice of strangers. Interesting concept. You know, Americanized shepherds, you know, use sheepdogs to, to, to herd sheep from behind. But Middle Eastern shepherds back then, and they still do this today, is they familiarize their sheep with their voice. And the common practice today is they sing to their sheep. And they walk in front of their sheep singing, and the sheep will follow them wherever they hear that voice. They won't wander off because the shepherd's voice isn't over there. If they still hear the shepherd's voice, they will follow that shepherd wherever he's going. Wherever he leads them to, they trust him, and they follow him as he speaks or as he sings to them. In that verse, it says, a stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. You know, that, that, that verse, I think, is very sad, very convicting. For how often do we follow the voice of strangers? leading us to places we ought not to go. Whether it be the voice of the world or it be the voice of uh, uh, friends or the voice of other people, the voice of past experience, the voice of past influences, whether it be our own sinful voice, how often do we follow one of those voices rather than the voice of our shepherd, our good shepherd, the Lord? In thinking about this passage this week, the question that kept popping up was, how does a shepherd get his sheep to recognize his voice? How does a shepherd get his sheep to recognize his voice? I mean, how can, I mean, I don't know if you've been around a lot of sheep. I've been around a lot of sheep, but sheep are not that bright at all. Some of the dumbest animals on the face of the earth. How does does a shepherd instill, imprint his voice on the brain of these sheep? Well, that reminded me of when we got our dog this summer. We have two dogs. One we got a few years ago, and we got another one this past summer. Um, And he's not even a year old, but he's a giant. So a giant puppy. And our backyard looks like we've had a giant puppy living there for a while. (laughs) It looks like a tornado hit our backyard. Uh, (laughs) I'll tell you this story about this dog. He tore up our... Uh, faucet covers outside the house. I mean, they didn't last any time. Just ripped them to pieces, little styrofoam things. So I said, I'm going to outwit this dog. And I built some faucet covers out of wood, stuffed them with some, you know, rags and, and Walmart sacks to try to keep the faucets warm. And I, I, I put it on the faucet and twisted it so it's on there good. And I come home from work one day at lunch. That, that wooden faucet cover I built is out in the yard. How in the world? I mean, I use these, I use three-inch wood screws. I'm thinking, how did he get this thing? And I go over there. He has, <laughs> I don't know how he did it. He broke the wood so that the wood splintered around the screws, and he ripped the thing off of the deal. I'm thinking, this is the smartest dog on the face of the earth. Either that or this is just the most destructive dog. <laughs> I don't know. And so now the, that wooden faucet cover is sitting out in our yard now. Uh, just as another chew toy. But I was thinking about this. How did this dog that we got there, and when we got him, he didn't recognize anything we said. You could tell him no, didn't matter. You could say his name. His name's Oreo. He's, he's a black dog, but he's got a little white patch right here. So we call him Oreo. Uh, they, but he didn't recognize his name. You could say Oreo. It didn't matter. 
You can say, go outside, let's go to the bathroom. Didn't matter. Time to go to bed. Didn't matter. But now, the other night, uh, he sleeps in my son Reagan's room in a crate. And Reagan had his door open. And I said, all right, Oreo, bed. He got up from the ottoman where he was laying and walked straight in there to his crate. And I thought, breakthrough. Like, this is a miracle. This dog going in there. And then uh, uh, last night, he was trying to, he can get everything on the counter. I guess our counters aren't big enough. I don't know. Uh, he broke a plate a couple weeks ago because it was at the back of the counter. And somehow he, anyway, that was a fun night. But uh, uh, he jumped up and I said, no. He got down. Breakthrough. Like, this is amazing. The dog is hearing me say this. And he's doing this. And, and uh, yesterday I said, Oreo, go outside straight to the back door. And I begin to think about that as, as in, in, in context of this John chapter 10 passage of the sheep recognizing the voice of the shepherd. And what it took was, and we got that dog, Katie, August? August to February, or January. It's not February yet. We're almost there. Uh, Cowboys are winning the Super Bowl in February, but we're not there yet. We're in January now. Uh, <laughs> I have faith. <laughs> and... Uh, uh, how did it happen from August to now that that dog is now semi-obedient? How did that happen? Well, it took months and months and months of repetition. Saying his name over and over and over again. Saying no over and over and over again. Saying go to bed over and over and over again. Say go outside to the bathroom over and over and over again. For him to finally listen, for him to finally get it, for him to finally recognize our voices. It's the same with the Lord, recognizing his voice. See, just like the dog and just like the sheep have to be trained through repetition, repetition enables recognition. Repetition enables recognition. And training... Training for recognition through repetition. Just like anything else, you have to start small. Start small. Start small. Let's, let's say you're going to start training to run a 5K, right? 3.1 miles. You're going to start training. You're not going to get up tomorrow having never run in your life and immediately run five kilometers. It's not going to work. You don't believe me? Try it. Try it. Lap one of that track, you're going to be dying. It's just not gonna, that's not the way it works. You gotta start small and build up. You gotta start small and build up. Otherwise, you're gonna be overwhelmed and just quit and say, this is, this is fruitless. I'm not even gonna try anymore. If you're gonna try to recognize the Lord's voice through repetition, you gotta start small and build up. Otherwise, you're never gonna, gonna be able to hear. Never gonna be able to hear. You gotta start small somewhere and try it. And see, here's the challenge. I'm, I'm issuing you a challenge. We've been doing a fast. We've got one week left in this fast. If you haven't been fasting from anything yet, I, I encourage you, pick something over the next seven days and fast from it, whether it's food-related or, or maybe, you know, social media-related. Maybe it's something. Just fast from it for the next seven days and watch God move in, in, in a powerful way. Next week, we're going to have a celebration, a feast to celebrate the end of the fast. But over the next seven days, these last seven days of this fast, I'm, here's the challenge. Spend some time before you pray, before you give God your prayer request, spend some time listening to the Lord. But start small and build up. 
Start small. Start with 30 seconds. 20 seconds. 10 seconds. Because like, here's the thing. If you've never done this, you're, you, you, you'll be surprised at how many things you think about during those 30 seconds. I promise you. Like tomorrow, if you do this tomorrow morning, you wake up and you do this, you think, I'm going to text Pastor Josh. He was so right. I'm going to be bombarded with texts, I promise you. Because if you've never done this and you get up and you try to listen to the Lord, your mind is going to go down every single rabbit trail it can possibly find. At the end of that 30 seconds, you're going to be thinking about hot air balloons going over the Atlantic Ocean before you realize, I don't even know how I got here. Because the enemy doesn't want you to hear what God's saying to you. And so he's going to bring every thought to your mind. He's going to make every app bring you notifications at that exact moment. He's going to wake up every kid in your house. Make your dog have a conniption to try to keep you from hearing what he's saying. He's going to bring up the dishwasher. He's going to bring up the vacuum. He's going to bring up uh, the mop. He's going to bring up, you got to get those leaves out of the yard. He's going to bring up everything to try to keep you from hearing what God's saying. And you got to try to fight that back. That's why it's called a spiritual discipline, because it takes discipline to get it done. It takes want to to get it done. And don't be discouraged if you don't hear God's voice in that 30 seconds tomorrow. It's going to take time. Take time before you can hear what God would have. It's going to take some time, practice, to get it done. How do you get to Carnegie Hall? Practice, practice, practice. I started going to physical therapy last month. My back was giving me great problems <clears throat> from September. I did something. They kept asking me, what would you do? I said, I don't know. I woke up and now it hurts. And then I did something in October and tweaked it even more where every step was pain. And I went in there and they had me, me do these like little stretches. And I thought, this is ridiculous. Like, I'm laying down flat for two minutes, and then I get up on my elbows for two minutes, and then I do 10 push-ups, and then I do my elbows again for 10 minutes, and then I lay down for 10 min or two minutes. This ain't going to do anything. I tell you what, those people at Peak know what they're talking about. Like, for real. Uh, and now here I am, I think it's been five weeks, and yeah, I still got a little pain here and there, but on the whole, I can move where I couldn't move before. I can pick my kids up when it really, really hurt before. Uh, and it, at the beginning, I didn't think it was ever going to happen. At the beginning, I thought, yeah, I'm going to have to see some kind of back surgeon like, to get this stuff taken care of. But as I continued to do those exercises, they said, do these exercises five times a day, and you're going to see some results. I said, all right. I'll do it. I don't believe you, but I'll do it. Sure enough, I did. And I, <laughs> be completely transparent, Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, I didn't really do them. And so for about four days, I was hurting again. And I realized those people really know what they're talking about. They really know what they're talking about. And I got to start small, trust the process, and then results will come down the road. And so when it comes to listening to the Lord, you got to start small. Let's say tomorrow morning you get up and you're trying for that 30 seconds. 30 seconds is too much. You can't make 15. Start at 15. you got to start somewhere. Start where you are. 
Start where you are. We're not, who was it? I think it was John Wesley. Uh, uh, the great minister from a couple hundred years ago started the Methodist church. He said he had so much stuff going on that day that he needed to get up extra early and spend twice as much time in prayer. Maybe we're not yet to John Wesley spending two hours in prayer every morning. Four hours on big days. Maybe we're just at the 15-second mark. But John Wesley didn't start at two hours. He started small. Start where you are and build up. Because you never know what God's going to do with those 15 seconds. Start where you are. And now, I've been practicing this this week. You know, I'm not going to tell you to do something I haven't been doing. Caleb, will you hand me that, my notebook right there? Yep. Thank you. Yep. I broke my pen this week. It was a really sad day. <laughs> um, and so this week, I've been doing this. And like I said, it's going to take practice. Maybe you need to create a mantra in your mind of Psalm 46.10. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that he is God. Be still and know. And you just need to repeat that over and over. Oh, I've got another thing. I didn't even realize I put it in the thing. Thank you, Tony. Um, and, and just say that over and over in your mind. But just try and quiet your mind and just listen. And then here's the challenge. That's why I had Caleb give my notebook. When you hear from the Lord, and it will, his voice will come, and you will recognize it, write it down. Write it down. If you don't write it down, it's going to be as though you never heard it because you're going to forget. Because we're forgetful people. Write it down. Solidify it. Some of the things the Lord, Lord brought several scriptures to me this week. There was one time he, I, I, he brought this scripture to me and I, I didn't know the reference. So, you know, I used my trusty, trusty Bible software, Google, and I typed it in and I found the Bible reference and I wrote it on a post and stuck it on my wall. And uh, maybe you need to, to write it down. I mean, this morning, where's this morning? There it is, Sunday. Uh, it was Psalm 2714. Wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. A couple days ago, he said, be bold today with your grace. Yesterday, it was Nehemiah 8.10. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Several days ago, this was Tuesday. He said, Psalm 100, verse 2. Serve the Lord with gladness today. You see, the thing when it comes to listening, really when it comes to prayer, when it comes to anything in our life, any relationships, it's James chapter 1, verse 19. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak. Quick to hear, slow to speak. And so that's the challenge this week, is listen to the Lord. Just once a day for the next seven days. Just try it. Practice it. And see what happens. There's a song from a children's show that I've mentioned here before. We watched the show with our older kids. It's, it's, it's a phenomenal show. It should still be on TV. Uh, but in the, in the show, uh, one of the characters sings the song, Try it, try it, you just might like it. That's the challenge for this week. Listening to the Lord. Try it, try it. You just might like it. See what God says to you. See what God reveals to you. 
You know, maybe right now, some of you sitting in these green pews or watching online at home, maybe right now, you're hearing the Lord speak to you right now. Maybe you're in the midst of an argument with God right now. And he's been telling you something and telling you something you need to do. And you're saying, absolutely not. I am not going to do that thing, God. That is very uncomfortable. That makes me uncomfortable. Like I'm in a financial place and you're telling me to give that. Or I'm in this and you want me to go and tell that person about Jesus. Or God, you want me to do this in this job situation. Make this, God, this is, I am not comfortable with this whatsoever. And we just need to, at that point, listen to the Lord. And leave all the consequences, leave all the results to him. And so maybe right now you need to listen to the Lord right now. Maybe that listening means you need to believe in him. Believe that Jesus is God's son. Believe that he died so all your sins would be forgiven. Believe that he rose from the dead so you can live after you die. And so maybe today what you need to do in hearing the Lord speak to you is make a decision to follow him. Follow him in belief. Maybe you need to follow him in baptism. Man, we got a truckload of people getting baptized next week. Maybe you say, man, I need to get baptized. What baptism does is it, it, it doesn't save you, but it shows the world you belong to Jesus. Shows the world you belong to him. It's a public declaration of your faith. Maybe you need to join the church. I need to put my life where God has me. I need to do this thing and, and, and be used by him here. Whatever capacity... God would have you step in faith, do it today. Listen to him today. Maybe there's something you've already put up here on this prayer pew in one of these post-its and you need to pray more fervently for. Maybe God would have you put something on this prayer pew that you've been too afraid to put up here. You say, that's too big of a, that's too big of a prayer request. <laughs> like, I know God's a big God and all that, but if I put that on, the, I write it down. I've been afraid to really write it down, this, this thing that God would have me really fervently pray for, because if it doesn't happen, what does that mean for my faith? You see, next week we're going to be concluding this series on prayer. We're going to talk about uh, praying for the miraculous and, and what that looks like and how that happens. Maybe that's what you need to do today in hearing from the Lord is, is up here on this prayer pew, put a prayer request in one of these post-it notes that seems so outlandish and so audacious, it makes you scared to even think about it. So are you hearing from God now? Will you accept the challenge to listen to the Lord over the next seven days? See, right now, what's going to happen? I'm going to pray for us. Music team's going to come. And you have, a, have an opportunity to decide. Will you listen to the Lord? If you need to make a decision to... to uh, 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 believe in Jesus, to be baptized, join the church, tell everybody you're a Christian, come and do that. I'll be here, Jared will be in the back, our associate pastor, and we'd love to talk to you, pray with you, celebrate with you. Or maybe you just need to come and pray. You need to come down here to this prayer pew with all these prayer requests on here, pray over some of these, put some more up here. Whatever God is telling you to do, do it without hesitation, Without argument, listen to the Lord today.